We started a new series last week <clears throat> called Designed by God. And one of the things that we said is every person is a masterpiece. And if you want to become all that God created you to be, you have to surrender your life to God. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say, you are a masterpiece. Look at your other neighbor and say, you are a masterpiece, whether you believe it or not. Repeat that, whether you believe it or not. Let me show you where we get that. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We uh, kind of finished up this, uh, with this last week. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. The reason God makes you a masterpiece is so that he can show others his incredible power and grace to change lives. And that last little phrase says, he planned for us to do long ago. It actually means before the foundation of the world, God knew you. God knew when he was going to create you. He knew when you were going to come and meet him. And he knew what he was going to do in your life. And he had this planned out before you were ever born. And so um, he wants to take you on this extreme makeover once you come to Christ. And then he wants to use you to make over other people. And uh, he wants to make your life beautiful and loving and kind instead of the way it used to be. And then he actually has this set of good things, this set of good deeds, these purposes that God has created you for that no one else can accomplish in his kingdom and in this world. Now, last week I mentioned some guys and I won't mention them again because I got a little bit in trouble for mentioning some of those guys. But what I said was that God met these men, changed these men. And now you want, you know what God wants them to do? God wants them to reflect Jesus Christ to others so that anybody who's gone through the same type of circumstances they have can have the same type of transformation these men have. Now, they're not finished. God's not finished with any of us as long as we're still alive. He's creating us. This masterpiece is not finished yet. As long as you have breath, God wants to mold you and shape you into the image of his son. So the good works that, that God wants you to do, he's planned for you to do the rest of your life once you meet him. And, and God wants you to do the same thing that he wants these men to do. God wants to do an extreme makeover in your life, change you, and then use you to reach others. That's God's plan for you. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this. I heard somebody talking about a spiritual closet. There's no such thing as a spiritual closet. Now, there is a closet where the Bible says, go in and pray in your closet in secret. And your father who hears in secret, he'll hear you and he'll answer your prayer. That's not what it's talking about. Somebody said there's a spiritual closet like you jump in and, and the old you, you know, you hear this, you flip the switch, you jump out and man, the old way is gone and I am new. Woohoo! Praise God. There's no such thing. It works for the thing in the Fantastic Four. Right. You know, Victor Von Doom, he, he made the thing. And, and uh, I mean, the, the box and the thing was so sad because he couldn't he couldn't have a relationship with anybody except a blind woman. And couldn't, and so he jumps in the box and he's changed. And the thing comes back out and then he realizes Victor Von Doom's going to take over the world and needs needs the thing. So he jumps back in the box, flips the switch. He becomes the thing again. He helps save the world. God, be the glory. There's no such thing as a spiritual closet for you to jump in. It didn't happen that way with me. And, and I don't know of any spiritual closet. If it doesn't happen that way, then how does God bring about this extreme makeover in your life? Well, we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter two. If you have your uh, smartphones, you can get on you version. You can look up the notes there. You can have your Bible. I love having my Bible on my phone. Uh, and, and if you download, there's certain versions, there's a whole lot of free versions that you can download. I have about six different free versions on mine. So even if I don't have internet access, I can always have the word of God and I can always do my devotionals 
We're going to pick it up in verse 18. Here's how Paul is going to tell us how this works. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 18. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. I want you to write that down. I didn't put it on your listening guide because I had too many verses. I want you to write down the words, God's family. This is big. You've got to get this. God's family. Now, picking up uh, verse 20. Together we are his house. There's another word I want you to write down. House. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple. I want you to write down the words, holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling. And you can just write down dwelling for that. You don't have to do that whole phrase. Just write down dwelling where God lives by his spirit. He's telling them about this mystery. In the Old Testament, who was God's chosen people? Israelites, the Jews. And so Gentiles were someone who were not in God's family. Now, if they came and they changed and did things God's way, the the Israelite way, they could be adopted into the family there. But there was this huge division between Jews and Gentiles. Jews were God's chosen people. Gentiles was everybody else. So we're Gentiles. We're not Jews. We're everybody else. Now, in the Old Testament, there was this mystery. We know because we have the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, they did not know that God was going to do this mysterious thing after Jesus Christ died on the cross. But they had no idea. And now, Jesus has died, and Paul's writing about this. And in chapter 3, we're going to look more at this mystery. But here was the basic mystery. God was going to take Jews and Gentiles who were separated... And he was going to bring them together under the power of Jesus Christ into one house, one dwelling, where he was going to do extreme makeovers from now until the end of time. And the the house where God does these extreme makeovers is called the church. Now, don't you dare think it's the building that we're meeting in. Because if this building were to burn down, praise God it didn't, a few minutes ago. If this building were to burn down, we would still be New Life Community Church. Don't you dare think he's talking about religion here. What he's talking about is real people living out transformed lives through the power of God's Holy Spirit in them. Real people doing life together in the power of the Spirit based on the Word in close community and supernatural things happen in and through us. That's what he's talking about. Extreme makeovers happen and that's God's plan in the church and it's been his plan since before there was a world. He knew Jesus Christ was going to come at just the right time, the Bible says. When all of the conditions in the world were just right, Jesus Christ shows up on the scene. And it's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you met Christ. Or if you haven't met him yet, it's not an accident that you're hearing these series of messages. God knew you would be here. And he's preparing your heart to be adopted into his family. That's why the local church is the hope of the world. Um. So many churches aren't functioning properly. And so extreme makeovers, that's not the norm. In fact, the norm is to come to Christ and sit on your butt for 50 years and be grumpy at a church business meeting and then somebody might dedicate a plaque to you when you die. I mean, really? That's, That's what I've seen. And, and we, we elect people to, to, to become deacons and board members and things like that who are not following Christ. And, and I look at the scripture and I look at the church and I go, this is not right. God is looking for transformed lives that he can show other people his incredible power and his mercy. 
We're talking about the church is not a building. It is a supernatural community. God's people gathered around God's word with Christ as the center and magic, not magical, supernatural things happen. I don't know where that came from. Magical. I guess I was at Disneyland, Disney World. Now, skip down to, to chapter three. Paul is going to tell us why God does it this way. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord, because of Christ and our faith in him. We can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Jews, Gentiles, it doesn't matter if you come at the foot of the cross. The the ground at the foot of the cross is level. Everyone has to come to the cross. When you come through the cross, you can come to God. And this is the mystery that nobody knew about in the Old Testament. Testament that, that God had planned. So the reason God uses the church is to demonstrate the wisdom of God so that angels, principalities, powers, created things, men, women, saved people, lost people can look at the church and say, there must be a God because he used to be like this and he's not like that anymore. And she, oh my gosh, don't get me started about her. She used to be like this, but she's not like that anymore. There must be a God. And people look at, at, at these men, Chad, I can mention Chad, he won't get mad at me. He's over there on the front row. That's what happens if you get on the front row. If, if, if I mention Chad to somebody, they say, I knew the old Chad. And I say, do you know the new Chad? Because God has changed this man. And, and he's more than a friend, he's a brother. But can I let you in on a secret? If you're in Christ, you're my brother and sister. And I ought to love you and treat you like I would my family. In fact, God says you'll be cursed if you turn your back on the family of God. Wow, this church thing is a big deal. And we need to get it right. You come into personal relationship with Christ. The Spirit enters your life. You become truth followers. You get involved in community. You learn from one another. The Spirit of God begins to change you from the inside out. And this, this thing called the church becomes known around the, uh, the community as a place where lives are changed and people want to get in there. And then angels and principalities, demons, and everyone throughout all of history look at it and they say, God did that, and God was so wise. That's the purpose of God using the church. And there's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. When the local church is working right, people meet you and they say, oh my, and this I don't ever use this unless I'm actually talking about God. I never use it because I think it's in vain, but I'm talking about God, so it's okay. They say, oh my God, what happened to you? And you go, you're exactly right. It was God. I met him. He changed me. Let me tell you about my life. And then God uses you as an instrument to help someone else. When, when I was watching, you know, the, the plastic surgeons do all of that stuff on, on the makeover of the people. And, and I, was, I was impressed with their skill. Now, I don't think, I, I would never tell you that you need to go get under the knife. And, you know, you need to have this cut. And you need this broken. I think there's something weird about that. I think there's some issues that somebody probably needs. But when they did these transformations, I was amazed at the skill of those surgeons. They took something that might have been tough to look at and made it good to look at. I was like, wow, that's some skill right there. And when those designers took the house that was useless and broken and beaten down and they turned it into something, I think that's why we watch it still today. Janie and I still watch all of these shows and we're amazed. We can't, we won't leave until the reveal or we'll DVR it so we can watch it later. She'll beg me. And I'm like, you don't have to beg. She'll go, please DVR it. I have to see the reveal. I'm like, baby, watch this. Janie doesn't punch buttons very well. So I said, watch, 
you know, it's that quick to DVR it. And she's like, thank you. Sure, baby. Anytime. She wants to see the reveal. We all want to see lives change. We want to see things different than it used to be. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you that I love watching those shows, but that's nothing compared to a life that was bent for destruction. That was destined for hell. Being changed by the power of God. And moving from the broad road that leads to destruction to that narrow road that leads to life. There's nothing like it. And the power of hell cannot prevail against it. And I want to be in on that the rest of my life. Anybody else want to be in on that? That's the power God has. And that's the power the local church has. God wants to display his skill, his power, his grace from now until forever. So that people say... What an incredible God you are. That's his purpose in doing extreme makeovers. People's jaws should drop and they should be like that girl who saw her mom and said, Mama, is that you? People should say, is that really you? Because I knew the old you. No, this is the new me. And then people are going to look throughout eternity. They're going to look at God and they're going to go, Oh God, I, I was thinking so small. I just wanted them saved. I didn't want them transformed. And, and, and then you're going to see, well, God did this and this and this. And you're going to say, glory be to God. Because he knew before the foundation of the world that he was going to make this type of transformation. Now, when someone says to you, I hear this a lot. And, and I know this has been said out here. Um, I, I, some of you have said this before. When someone tells you that they don't need the local church then what you need to say is then you, you are rejecting God's primary avenue for life change. Because God does not... I mean, yes, I hear people say, well, I, I can worship God out there fishing. Well, you're not. You're fishing. I mean, I've, I know, I fish. When I'm fishing, when there's a bass, you know, you get that little tug and, and you're about to set the hook on that worm. I'm not thinking about God. I'm thinking about setting the hook. I don't know about you, but I've said it so hard that it flies across and slaps the guy in the back of the boat, you know. I'm not, I'm not worshiping then, right? If you do not love the bride of Christ, there's no way you can love Christ. And you just, just make a practical application. Somebody doesn't love Janie, I'm going to have issues with them because... She's my chosen one. Someone doesn't love me, they're going to have issues with my wife because she chose me. I mean, does that make sense? So don't say, this is God's primary way to change people is right here in the church, the bride of Christ, and he does it for all eternity. Now, there's a public side of it. That's the public side. We're supposed to discover our spiritual gifts, and we're on this long journey where we're going to do this over the next several weeks. We're going to look at all this, the individual gifts. We're going to help you figure out how to do that. But there's a public side. There's also a personal side. And I want you to see this. This is one of my favorite videos, uh, uh, dramas. It's on video. It's called God's Chisel. Watch this, and we'll talk about the personal aspect. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, that we're, in essence, His masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a, a Picasso, you know? But I want to be a masterpiece. I want to be everything that God has created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, God, 
do whatever it takes to, to get things out of my life that don't need to be there. Mold me into the image of your son so that I can be your masterpiece. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, you just said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. Oh, okay, okay. Um, if you're God, then make it snow in here. No, if I made it snow in here, it'd get kind of yucky, and I really don't want to do that. See, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. Yes, I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, if you're God... Who's going to win the World Series this year? You know what? I'm not so much into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. I gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <laughs> yep, I do that. Don't I? Get it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, yeah. um, what's this about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Here we go. Step okay. right up. Here we go. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. How do you know what to chisel and what to leave? I take out all the things in your life that are out of me, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of that, could you chisel right in here? I just can't get rid of it. I mean, the other went away, but this, I mean, I've tried exercising, I've watched what I ate, I even did Pilates for a while, that was awkward. But if you could chisel, all I mean, right... Can I talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, talk, chisel, No, talk, no, 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 chisel. All right, most of my children just like to talk. Not me. Bring on the chisel. Here we go. All right. You have a lot of anger. Ow. Some pride. Ow. Compare yourself to others instead of me. Ow. You're lazy. <clears throat> but you pretend like you're really, really busy. Ow. You have a problem with lust. Okay. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> I do not have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Um... Maybe, maybe we should take a little time out. I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good. You are doing good, but when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay. Then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and others need to see my son. Here we go. Okay, hold on, hold on. Um, don't take this the wrong way. It's just that when I start looking more like your son, um, people get uncomfortable around me, you know? I mean, even my friends at church, they're all like, oh, you're holier than thou. Why would you do that, you know? I mean, not what you're doing right now is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. I did not say that. That's what you meant. Yes, it is. It's hard to talk to you. I mean, you know everything I'm thinking. I'm just saying, you've done good work. Maybe we take a little break, a little time out, and we'll come back to right. it. What you're doing right now is so common. What you're doing right now is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control? Chisel? Control? No, no, no chisel! Here we go. No, can, can we chisel where I want that? It's called control. Okay. You've been holding on to this for a long time. You ready for this? Hurts me more than hurts you. Ow! I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And there are the things in your life, you even think back to high school, that you've been doing that do not work in your life, but you go to these empty wells whenever you're hurting, whenever you're angry, whenever you're lonely and tired, but they do not work. No, no, okay, okay. Um, I'm thinking maybe your we could... Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Oh, okay, but if we went another way... Your we ways could, are not my ways. 
Okay, well, look, I can't be good. You can't be good. I've made you good. Be good. Uh, uh, what? Nothing. What is it? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just... God, I've let you down so many times. No. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand, and don't you forget that. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. All right. Just... Just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because God, I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror. And it is this, this scared little kid who gets up every day and tries to dress like an adult and act like an adult. But I can't. So just be prepared for what you're going to find in You have listened to so many voices for far too long that are not of me. You think you're junk, don't you? You really, really, really think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't make junk. What does that say about me? How can I show you that my love for you has no boundaries? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. God. Yes? I was just saying, God, I'll do that right now. You were just saying my name in vain. You know what? It's it's a name. It's a saying. It's, it's more it's than a name. It's more than a saying. It's more than a bad habit. It's a name above all names. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. You know what that is? This is a page from, from a journal I had when I was younger. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie Holland. Other side. Sorry. I married her. I was there. Oh, oh yeah. Dear God, today I am turning everything over to you. I'm not going to hold on to anything anymore. Your word says that you will make me your masterpiece and use me to do great things. I don't see how it's possible, but I want that with all that I am. So please do whatever it takes to make me what you want. I love you, God. I love you too, Tommy. I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. So this salvation that you hold... Don't let it be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out every detail of your life. And don't compare yourself to someone else because that is just trivial nonsense. You are my original masterpiece. You are one of my workmanship and you I find favor. This, don't look at this as a prison, but look at this as a, a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, it'll be tough. But you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you said yes to me. It's not how it works. I want you to do something. I want you to look up there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy. No, 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 no. 
the way you see yourself or you yearn so much for others to see you the way I see you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. It's hard for me to watch that without getting emotional because I see <clears throat> what God does in people's lives. And let me, I've got to fly through a lot of stuff here, a lot of verses. Let me show you how this works. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees, Paul is saying this, and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your what? In your hearts. As you trust him, your roots will grow down uh, into God's love and keep you strong. And you may and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. God does extreme makeovers in two places, the church and in the human heart. He does it in the in the inner being of every man, woman, boy, and girl who comes to him and allows him to have their way. And the reason he does it, to, to display his manifold wisdom throughout all eternity. And see, we're flying through Ephesians because you've got to understand where, this, where the spiritual gifts come from. The first three chapters of Ephesians talk about who you used to be, but who you are now. This is incredible. Listen to all these things the first three chapters of, of uh, Ephesians tells you about. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're adopted, you're loved, you're sealed by the Spirit, you have an inheritance, you're accepted in Christ. And now in chapter four, he opens up and he says, because you have all these things, because you haven't earned it, it is a grace gift from God because he loved you. He did all this stuff. You already possess all the power that God is going to give you to do this extreme makeover. He says, now walk in a manner worthy of all of that stuff. Act like you're a child of the king. And then look what he says in verse seven of chapter four. He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Special gift literally means grace gift. It's something you cannot earn. Another meaning of it is endowment. The only place I ever heard of an endowment was when I went to Baylor. Endowments were those things that insanely rich people gave to the school for insanely poor people like me. I could not have gone to Baylor without all of these scholarships that I had. One scholarship is crazy. I didn't even know until I applied was for people from Borger who were going to Baylor. There were three of us. And the other two didn't know about the scholarship. Praise God, I got it. I had no competition. And so every year I would write this little thank you note and I wasn't supposed to know. I finally figured out who it was. It's somebody in my church. But I'd, I'd write a thank you note and I'd say, thank you because of your gift, I get to go to a place that we couldn't afford. My grades were good enough, but my money wasn't. And I got to do something because someone endowed me with something I did not have. Your heavenly father has endowed you with all the power you need to be transformed. And he's given you incredible gifts. And you know, out here in the parking lot today, there's a, there's a Ford Ranger. Did, did you drive yours? There's a Ford Ranger, little green Ford Ranger out here, 1997. There's a 1997 white Ford F-150. There's a gray 2005 Toyota Matrix. 
And, and what makes those cars special, those, those trucks and that car special, is not the fact that they're, they're a Ford or a Toyota. Because honestly, if, if, if we did not own those cars, I wouldn't give a rip about them. No, no offense. You know, you may have a nice car. I don't care what you drive. And I've said this before. The only people who care what you drive are you and really shallow people who suck. And so I don't care what you drive. But what makes those special is when my kids are in them. When my wife is in them, when I see a little green Ford Ranger, I look to see if it's my daughter. When I see an F-150, a white one, I look to see if it's Caleb. If there's a little Matrix driving, I look to see if my wife and my kids are in there. What makes it special is what is inside. And what makes you special is, is not the outside. I'm sorry. You may be awesome looking. You may not be awesome looking. But what makes you special is God lives in you if you're a child of the King. And that makes you special. And it gives you power that you do not get from this world. And, and you know, if you, if you encounter people who are atheists or who are far from God or whatever, the Bible says that someone who does not have the Spirit of God cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness to Him. They cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. You can't understand some things about God until you come to God and He gives you the mind of Christ and you begin to grasp that. And some of you are, are spiritual babies and it's okay, we're going to help you grow up. But if, if 50 years from now you're still a spiritual baby, there ought to be all kinds of alarm, alarm bells going off. You know, We ought to be having meetings saying, why do we have so many spiritual babies in the church? Because we've got to grow up. And, and part of the way we do that is to discover your gifts. Look what he says in, in verse 8. The psalmist tells about this, for he says that when Christ returned triumphantly to heaven after his resurrection and victory over Satan, he gave generous gifts to men. What gifts? Skip down to verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will become mature, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring to the full and complete standard of Christ. There will no longer be immature like children. We won't won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. When Christ died for you, he paid the sin for you and he made it possible for you to be redeemed. And then between the time that he died and he resurrected, the Bible says that he actually ascends to heaven to declare his victory over Satan. And, and we don't have time to study all this. It's incredible that the victory that he does. But, but as a part of that victory, he doles out gifts to his children and he plants them in the church. So not only did Christ make spiritually dead people alive, he also says that one of the evidences of his victory over Satan is that you have a spiritual gift given to you by God, your heavenly father. And because, uh, because do you know what some of the tools are that God uses to shape you? It's other believers. The little paintbrushes, the little scalpeling tools that God uses, it's other believers. And you'll never be shaped, you'll never be painted, your masterpiece will never be completed apart from the body of Christ. That's why church is so important. And that's why we've got to be involved in community. And we worship here in a crowd. We can worship in a crowd. But you cannot fellowship in a crowd. Fellowship's going to happen tonight in small groups and homes. It happens on Wednesday nights, the ladies' Bible study. It happens on Monday nights, the men's study. On Sunday mornings, the men's study back here. That's when fellowship happens. And one of the purposes of the church is to fellowship so that you can get up close to somebody and God can use his tools in their hands to begin to mold and shape you to look more like Christ. And then the really cool thing is when you get to use the tools God gave you to help someone else look like Jesus. That's what the church is about.
It's the spiritual gifts deposited in you and the spiritual gifts deposited in me that God uses to change us. Your spiritual gift is the evidence that Christ has victory over Satan. Your spiritual gift is the evidence that the power of sin is broken in your life. Your spiritual gift is the evidence that Satan no longer has power over you. Because before, we did the before and after last week, before you were slaves to sin, you were slaves to Satan. But after Christ, you are free and you're adopted and you're given power. God's made you a tool. And quite honestly, some of you got a screw loose. God wants screwdriver people to help you figure life out. Some of you are too uptight. He wants screwdriver people to help you loosen up a little bit. Some of you are too loose morally. And he wants screwdriver people to help you tighten up a little bit. God wants hammers to be hammers. He wants leaders to be leaders. He wants teachers to be teachers. And it's painful in the kingdom of God when people try to serve outside of their gifting. So one of the things that God wants to do is use the church to help you discover your gift. And if you, if you start experimenting somewhere, and this is okay here. You can experiment and you can work in different areas. You can try different things. You can do that. And if, if nobody ever comes and says, man, you, God spoke to me through you, then that's probably not where you're gifted. If one or two people come and say, man, God spoke to me, then you're probably not gifted. If people start coming up to you and they start going, when you spoke or you sang or you taught or you led or you did this, you prayed. When people say that and they, they constantly, you've getting this, this feedback from the church, you can say, that's where I'm gifted. 30 years ago, I stood up in, in my very first church because my pastor asked me six months ahead of time and I didn't, I wasn't thinking. My pastor said, I'm going to be gone in six months. Will you preach for me? And I said, sure. And then as it got closer, I went, what have I done? And so I called my brother and I studied like crazy and I went to the library and I studied and, and it was, it, it was a horrible sermon. And, and a couple of deacons came up to me afterwards and they said, you're going to be a preacher. I said, you're stupid. Shut up. And then I had some friends from Baylor that went with me. And, and this one, I still remember uh, Paige. Paige, we were driving back to Baylor, and she goes, hope you know that you're going to be a preacher someday. And I said, y'all are insane. And, and throughout all the time that I was a youth minister, I'd get to preach, and people would come up and they'd say, you should preach, you should preach, you should preach. And after 19 years, I finally got the, the message, and I, and I started preaching. But let me tell you this. If you don't know your primary spiritual gift, you cannot be used by God. And so when you discover your spiritual gifts and you start using your gift, you will experience joy like you have never known before. Until you discover that gift and start plugging it in, building up the kingdom of God, you're never going to know what it means to really have joy in the Lord and to serve Christ. You are God's masterpiece. And he wants to use you to create other masterpieces in other people so that for all eternity, every angel, every demon, every man, woman, boy, and girl can see God's incredible wisdom and power and grace on display and say, glory to God. So the question is, will you discover your spiritual gift? And will you use it to build up the kingdom? Let's pray together. Father, we just want to acknowledge your power and your mercy and your grace and your awesome 
wisdom in, in choosing us before the foundation of the world and choosing the church and knowing before there was ever a human man or woman that Jesus Christ was going to come and give his life as a sacrifice for sins. And then you were going to deposit your Holy Spirit in us and you were going to change us from the inside out. You were going to give us a gift so that we might be used by you to, to see incredible transformation happen in someone else. That's beyond my comprehension. But I want to be a part of it. And it never gets old. Seeing a new person step across the line of faith. Seeing a new person get it and and begin to follow you wholeheartedly. Make this church a factory of transformation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.